the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. I'm speaking to you today on the subject of where Jesus was tortured and where Jesus was humiliated. No one listening to me this very moment will ever suffer the way Jesus suffered. And today, I want you to simply see and understand what Jesus endured on your behalf. I want you to look at Mark chapter 15, verse 15. Mark 15, 15. This is where we ended up last week. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And the Bible simply says he had Jesus flogged. And then he handed him over to be crucified. Now, in this message, there are three levels of torture. Level number one, the physical torture, which is the flogging. Now, flogging was, a, was common in Jesus' day. Uh, it is the practice still in some cultures around the world of striking someone with a whip or a stick for punishment or for torture. Something so brutal that even the most hardened onlookers would turn away because you couldn't actually watch someone being flogged. You can figure it out on your own. It was meant to be a deterrent. Jesus has already been through what's called a Jewish trial. This is back in chapter 14. He's already been spat upon. He's, he was blindfolded. He was struck with fists. And I just want you to imagine, you know, if, if someone is going to strike you, you have a, a chance there to kind of resist or to wince, uh, to prepare yourself. They blindfolded Jesus. And when he was blindfolded is when they were striking him with their fists. The Bible says that the guards beat him severely. This is all back during the Jewish trial. Now we come to chapter 15. He's in the Roman trial. And according to this verse in Mark 15, 15, I want you to write this down. He was flogged, F-L-O-G-G-E-D, flogged. That process began. They would strip you of your clothes. So Jesus uh, literally is standing there naked. They take his hands and they tie them around a pole. They use this big, thick pole. And what would happen is when you put your arms up around that pole, 
it would stretch out and tighten your back. Then they would take a whip that was made of leather and leather strands. And at the end of those strands, they had braided in bits of stone, metal, glass, or bone embedded in those ends. And that was the whip that they would whip Jesus's back with. And what you need to know is that there were two soldiers, one on each side. When they took that whip and they threw it across Jesus's back, those little pieces of glass or bone at the end or pieces of metal at the end of that whip would go into his flesh and then they would rip it. And they would, it would literally rip the flesh off of the bones, leaving everything exposed. Many times, prisoners or criminals died before they ever made it to the crucifixion. Its intended purpose was to inflict as much pain as possible, but to leave the criminal with just enough strength to carry his cross to the crucifixion site. We also learn from other passages in the Bible, like Isaiah, that there were other elements to the physical torture that Jesus went through. For example, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 says, I I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard, and I did not hide my face from the mocking and the spitting. He wouldn't look away. He just took it all, just willingly took all of that. Isaiah 52, verse 14 says, His appearance was so disfigured Beyond that of a human being, his form was marred beyond human likeness. They literally just plucked out his beard. I can't imagine uh, what that must have felt like. And the Bible says that he was marred and disfigured. He did not even look, does it say he didn't look like a man? It says that he did not even look like a human being. That's how much they beat Jesus. And you put all this together. Uh, This is just out of the gate. This is early Friday morning. Jesus has been brutally tortured. He has been spit upon. He's been blindfolded. He's been struck with the fist. The guards have beaten him. He has been stripped. His hands have been tied. His back was stretched. They whipped and they ripped. His beard had been plucked. He was marred and disfigured beyond that of a human being. And this was just the beginning. This was just the flogging. Don't forget, in Mark 15, 15, the Bible says that Pilate had Jesus flogged. And then he was handed handed him over to be crucified. This is just the flogging part. After that physical torture, we come to the emotional torture, which is the humiliation part. Jesus did not beg for mercy. He did not demonstrate the normal behaviors associated with someone being flogged. And that no doubt angered his abusers even more. You see, they were not just content to tear and rip his flesh. They decided to dehumanize him, to break his spirit, and to mock him. The Bible says in verse 16 that the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole company of soldiers. Picture this scene. The entire contingent of soldiers, 600, all come out to mock and make fun 
at the prisoner's expense. Now, do not forget this, ladies and gentlemen, that Romans did not like the Jews, all right? You got to understand that. Matthew tells us in Matthew 27, verse 28, that they stripped Jesus again. So this is the second time he's had his clothes ripped off of him. And the Bible says that they mocked him as a king. Mark chapter 15, verse 17 says that they put a purple robe on him and they twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on him. Verse 18 says, and then they began to call out to him, hell, king of the Jews. Now imagine this scene. There are 600 soldiers. Some of them are Rome's finest soldiers. They are flexing their muscles, so to speak. They are there on behalf of Caesar, the true king, as far as they are concerned. And they're just going to send a little message to all the Jews living in Palestine of what they think of this particular prisoner who has been accused of being a king. And so they decide to do a mock coronation. They put a robe on him. It's made of purple. The color purple is a sign of royalty. Now, don't forget, he looks emaciated. His skin has been ripped off his bones. He probably, uh, this robe did not conceal his nakedness. It was just something they perhaps draped over his shoulder. He needs a crown because if he's a king, he needs a crown. So they make him a crown, not a crown of diamonds, not a crown of rare jewels or emeralds. They take these from this one particular plant, there are these thorns. We believe that these thorns could have been as long as four inches. And they weave the, these, this shrub together to form a mock crown. And they place that on his head. They then would take two boards, and they would put those boards up on top of his head, and they would push that crown of thorns down onto his brow. And the thorns would dig into his flesh. And then they would holler out or scream out, Hell, King of the Jews. Oh, they were making fun of Jesus. 600 soldiers laughing. 600 soldiers mocking and teasing the Son of God. And then notice what the Bible says in verse 19. This is all in the Bible. Look at verse 19. It says, again and again, They strike him on the head with a staff. And I can see these soldiers, and they go, here's your staff. And he would like reach out, and they would hit him in the head with it. And they hit him again and again. And the Bible says that they spit on him. And here's the worst part of the whole story. They fall on their knees, and they paid fake homage. They're not truly honoring Jesus because they believe that he's king. This is all just a pretend thing. They're just laughing. They're making fun. They know in their minds that he's not a king. But it's in this picture, this cruel, shameful, utter disrespect, inhumane treatment, and torture towards Jesus that we understand the evilness in man's heart. But we also understand the grace and the humility in Jesus' heart. Because Jesus bore the humiliation of all of this in part to show how much he loves lost people. So we have the physical torture where he was flogged. We have the emotional torture where he was humiliated. And then the Bible talks about the ultimate torture. 
the ultimate torture, which is the crucifixion. I don't even even know how to explain this to you. In verse 20, the Bible says that when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe. They put his own clothes back on him and they led him out to do what? To crucify him. And just a few more verses here in verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene. This man was from Cyrene. His name was Simon. And Cyrene is on the northern part of Africa. So this man was an African man. He was probably dark-skinned. Certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him. He didn't want to do it. But he did it. They forced him to carry the cross because Jesus is too tired. He's too worn out. He's been beat too many times to carry his own cross. Verse 22, they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Now, that's the Hebrew word was, was, uh, was this word, uh, Golgotha, but the Aramaic word is the word Calvary. You might have heard the phrase that Jesus died at Calvary. That's an Aramaic word. It's, it's a place that means the place of the skull. Wherever they took Jesus, they, they took him. It was not a pleasant place. It was a place of execution. It was a place where criminals died. It was the place of the skull, Golgotha, Calvary. And that's where Jesus was crucified. Verse 23, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. Why would they do that? Well, they were allowed to be offered a drink of wine. In some way with that myrrh, it was somehow to dull some of the pain. I want you to notice that Jesus refused the drink. He did not take it. And here it is in verse 24, and they, what? They crucified him. Four words, four words, and they crucified him. We don't really have any long explanations of what that's like. Mark, who wrote this particular book, we believe wrote, this book to Christians, to Roman Christians, Christians who lived in Rome. Christians in that day did not need to hear, I want you to write this down, they did not need to hear the details of what it meant to be crucified because they knew what those details were. They had seen many people crucified with their own eyes. They didn't need the details. It is said that the Romans crucified so many people in that day that they literally ran out of trees. Suffice it to say that crucifixion was among the most cruel and inhumane tortures known to man. Josephus, the the Jewish historian, writes, it is the most wretched of all ways, the most wretched of all ways of dying. To this day, to this day, we see the pain of crucifixion. The word crucifixion is contained inside the word execution or excruciating, excruciating And crucifixion, it's the same root word. Now, during the crucifixion, the condemned man was stripped naked. So we believe that Jesus was now stripped for the third time. His hands would have been nailed to a crossbeam, just a a wooden beam where his hands would have been nailed. Not little tiny nails, but nails that were probably five, 
to seven inches long. They would have been about three quarters of an inch in diameter. His hands are nailed to a cross beam and then he would be lifted up and he would be attached to an upright stake that had been sunk into the heart of the earth, thus forming a cross. They would have picked up his legs on the front of the cross or on the sides of the cross and they would have taken other nails and nailed these spikes, not nails, but nailed the spikes through his feet into that wooden cross. The year 1968, just outside of Jerusalem, archaeologists found a box called a bone box. They found inside that box the bones of a man that was about 27 years of age. They dated this box to the first century during the time of Christ. They actually found inside that box a hill bone with a nail still protruding through that hill. That hill and stake, that nail is on display today in a museum in Jerusalem. And Jesus hung on that cross with his arms outstretched, his face not even resembling that of a human being, a crown of thorns placed upon his brow, blood and spittle coming down his face, nails through his hands and through his feet, suffocating. I want you to write that down suffocating. That's how most people died on a cross. They couldn't breathe. If you didn't bleed out, you died of asphyxiation. You see, you'd have your, your feet nailed into the cross and your hands, and you would hang down. And you, and you don't, don't do this now because it'd be distracting, but do it later on today. If you raise your hands as high as you can raise, I mean, you stretch them up like if you were hanging uh, dead weight, It's hard to breathe. And what you'd have to do is you'd have to push up with your feet. You'd have to pull up with your hands just so you could catch a breath of air to breathe. And Jesus did all of this naked, stripped of his clothes, skin ripped off his back, face doesn't even resemble a man hanging on a cross, suffocating, write this down, all just a few feet away from his mom. His mother's just a few feet away there at the foot of the cross. And Jesus hangs there in this state for not one hour, not two hours, not three hours. He's not on the cross for four hours. He's on that cross for six hours. From nine o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon in broad daylight for all the world to see. He suffered, he bled, and he died for you, and he died for me. As we prepare to close, the only point I want to make, and stay with me, the only point I want to make is that he actually was and is a king. You see, Jesus was falsely accused of trumped-up charges simply because he was a threat to their authority and to their power. The Romans insisted, they insisted on putting down this so-called rebellion. They, to some degree, wanted to keep the Jewish people happy, to some degree. Pilate and Herod were the ones that allowed the crucifixion to take place, and even the Roman soldiers who carried out the execution. 
those who mocked Jesus, all because none of them knew, none of them understood that this was indeed the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. For if they had known, if they had known that this was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the King of all kings, they would have given him all the glory and all the praise and all the wealth and all the love and all the honor in the world, but they did not recognize him. You see, the thought, their thought that the Messiah would come and lead a military victory over the Romans. I mean, they're looking at this guy, they can't imagine. He no longer even looks like a human being. Spit and blood on his face, nails through his hands and his feet. The object of scorn being mocked and beaten again and again. There's no way that he could actually be the son of God in such a weak state. But they didn't understand the real greatness that he was the son of God, that he was all powerful, that he actually humbled himself. He allowed this to happen so that he might fulfill prophecy, that he might pay the penalty for our sins to show us a better way. They simply couldn't recognize him. But my question to you today is this. Do you recognize him? Do you know, do you understand that this is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came to this earth to suffer and to die for the sins of the world? And the greater question is this, do you realize, do you have any inclination of how much he loves you? Because he suffered for you. He bled for you. He was humiliated for you. He was spit upon for you. He was able or willing to go through being mocked for you. He endured the beatings for you. He took the nails for you. Because he loves you. That's what Romans chapter 5 says. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. And the last verse I want to read to you is verse 8 that says, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He went to that cross to pay the penalty and the atonement for your sins and for my sins. And ladies and gentlemen, today, if you go through this text, if there's anything in your mind that you can somehow capture, read read through this, see what he went through, because he did it all for you, he did it all for me. He did it just so that you would have a chance, just a little tiny chance that you would have an opportunity to come today and to put your faith and trust in Him so that you can have everlasting life. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners. 
who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow at this same time as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Music